So Easter Sunday, or more appropriately, I prefer the term Resurrection Sunday. That's my favorite term for this day. Resurrection Sunday is always the big day as a, as a church family, right? And it should be. I mean, we're celebrating the greatest event in history. Divided history between B.C. and A.D. Jesus came. He didn't only die. So far, everybody, most everybody that's come to this planet has died. There's a couple of examples of people in the Bible that didn't, but most everybody has died. But Jesus rose again. And so on Resurrection Sunday, it's the big day. It's the day when people who maybe wouldn't even normally go to church because it's Resurrection Sunday, that they'll find themselves in the church. And if that's you this morning, I want you to know you're so welcome. We're glad you're here. Whether it's one Sunday or whether you feel led to come back, we're just glad you're here this morning. But I do know this, because it is Resurrection Sunday, you talk to pastors, you talk to churches all over, and everything goes into, we wanna do this thing so well, and the pastor is supposed to hit a home run on Resurrection Sunday. And I just have a little bit of a different view of that this morning. Jesus already hit the home run. Isn't that good news, right? He already hit the home run. He's already done it all. And so what we get to do today is just celebrate that. In fact, let's change that to him. We get to celebrate Jesus. So the last several weeks, we've been in the midst of a series. I've been talking to you guys about the seven I am statements of Jesus. We're still in that series, but it just so happens today that the statement Jesus makes in John is that he is the resurrection and the life. And so we're going to talk about this, th that this morning, that Jesus is, he is the resurrection here and now. So that's what we're going to dig into this morning. So in John chapter 11, a little bit of context for John 11, we're at the point now where Jesus is really close to going to the cross and one of his very dear friends, Lazarus, has gotten sick. And Jesus has been told about this sickness. And now Lazarus has actually died. And we're going to pick up the story when Jesus shows up at Lazarus' tomb. And we're going to follow him and see what happens. And what he wants to speak to us this Resurrection Sunday about who he is for us today. That's what I really want you to leave with. is not just what he did 2,000 years ago but who he is for us today. John chapter 11, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus, is who he's talking about, he had already been in the tomb, he had died, and he had been there for four days. In fact, there's a point in the story where Jesus tells them to roll the stone away before he calls Lazarus back to life. And when he says that, they say to him, now, are you sure you wanted to do that? Because this dude has been dead four days. And by now, in the King James, I love the way it says it, surely by now he stinketh. <laughs> surely by now. And you have to say it with a British accent, right? I've begun to realize all Bible movies, most of them, for some reason, Jesus has a British accent. Surely by now he stinketh. So this morning, I want to start right here. Some of you may actually feel that you're at a point in your life, we're actually past the point 
of God doing something. Have you ever felt that way before? It's like, I needed you four days ago, God. I needed you to do something four months ago, God. And so God says, hey, I, I still, I'm going to do something in your life powerful. And you say to God, look, surely by now I stinketh, right? My life stinketh, my marriage maybe stinketh, my relationship stinketh, and some of you wives, surely your husband stinketh, right? <laughs> surely by now, everything that's gone wrong and, and all of the areas in my life that look dead, the relationships, the, the, you know, the, 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 the finances, the, my physical body, the healing that I didn't receive, this stinks. Let's put it in our vernacular. Forget the stinketh. Let's talk how we talk. My life stinks right now. Have you ever felt that way? My life stinks, God. And God's, you know, he's speaking to you. He's, he's, he's on the scene in your life. He's there because he's always there. And, he, and he's making promises to you and he's speaking to you, but you're saying, hey, God, but what about right now? My, my life stinks. So you can write this in your notes. The resurrection is here and now for those that are past the point of the miracle. It's like the miracle should have happened already, God. I'm past that point now. And this is exactly where Lazarus' family is right now. Four days. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Jesus shows up in the midst of this wake and in the midst of their mourning and in their grieving. But it's interesting if you look back at the story, because we know who Jesus is, there's never an instance ever, ever an instance in the Gospels when anyone ever came to Jesus for healing that he did not heal them. Not one. I encourage you to look that up this week. Read through the Gospels again. Read through the stories. There's never an instance where someone comes to him and says, heal me, that he says, no, my child, for your father wants to teach you a lesson through this illness. That we make that stuff up, right? Jesus didn't actually say anything like that. Every single person that came to him, he healed. In fact, if you send Jesus to a funeral, he messes them up. Right? There's so much life and power. And here, this is Lazarus now. Of course, now, Jesus heals anybody. Someone he's never met before. Someone he has absolutely no close connection with. But they come to him, and they fall at his feet, and they cry out for healing. And every single time, he heals them. So Lazarus is actually a close friend. Of Jesus along with his sisters this is the place that Jesus goes on his itinerant ministry when he's on his way to Jerusalem he will stay in Bethany at their house he hangs out with them he eats with them he's a close friend of this family they're a big part of his ministry and his life so if Jesus would heal somebody who didn't even have a connection with him how much more so if Martha and Mary send word to Jesus who's out on the trail preaching and healing and doing all the stuff he does and saying, hey, your friend Lazarus is sick. Hello, Jesus, come on, do what you've done for everybody else. We've supported your ministry. Here's what verse 5 says. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. 
Everybody see that part, right? So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Has anybody else besides me got a problem with that? When he heard that his buddy was sick, he loved him so much that he didn't go see him. Pastor Jesus, they will teach you in seminary. That is not how you pastor a church. When someone calls and says they're sick, Pastor Jesus, especially if they're on your team, your leadership team, Pastor Jesus, you need to get over there and you need to visit them right now. But he loved them. This is a curious phrase, isn't it? He loved them so much that he stayed where he was for two more days. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Now, how many of you know that Scripture says this about Jesus? He only did what he saw his father doing. His father is up to something right now. I want you to write this in your notes. Sometimes what looks like a delay is actually Jesus setting you up for a bigger resurrection miracle. Something bigger than what you thought it was going to be. Something better. It would have been incredible if Jesus would have dropped everything. That would have made a great story. I would have loved to have read that. Your friend Lazarus is sick and Jesus stops mid-sermon. Right? Right in the middle, says, excuse me, I got to go. There's something urgent. My friend is sick, and I'm leaving right now because he's got a need, and I will get where he is. If everybody knows if Jesus gets there, healing is happening, right? Have you ever felt like the brother and sister of Lazarus, or maybe Lazarus himself, who is sick at this very moment and really sick? He's about to die. And you're calling out to Jesus, and it doesn't seem like the answer that you're wanting is manifesting. And a day goes by, right? And two days, and a month goes by, and you still haven't seen the miracle that you have been calling out to Jesus for manifest in your life yet. I am telling you this morning that when it looks like a delay, it is a setup for a bigger miracle. That God is up to something bigger and better than what you could ever have dreamed or imagined. For some of you today, for some of you today, it might be your marriage. It might be that you've been calling out to God and it looks like the marriage is dead. But let me speak to you. Write this in your notes if you want to this morning. The marriage you thought was completely dead, I'm speaking to you this morning, is being resurrected. It's not too late. It's not too late. But I've been crying out for three months. I've been crying out for three years. I've been crying out for 20 years. It's not too late. The, the relationship that you thought was over is being resurrected. For some of you this morning, though, you went through a divorce. And your partner has maybe moved on, and they've married somebody else. And you say, look, what is God going to do about that? In your notes, this divorce that you thought was a sunset is really a sunrise. And I'm not saying that it was God's will for that person to divorce you, but I am telling you that God will flip the script. And what looked like death 
Because of the resurrection, God can turn into a brand new life for you. Life is not over because of divorce. God has a huge plan for you. He is not finished with bringing life and relationship into your life. For some of you, it's a dream, right? It's a dream that you've carried in your heart for a long time. In fact, you carried it so long that life begins to put dirt on top of that dream and a little more dirt and a little more dirt until that dream is completely buried. I'm here to tell you this morning, the dream might be buried, but the dream ain't over. That dream, you can write this in your notes if you'd like to, that you thought was dead is being resurrected and will have the final word over whatever deadly diagnosis might have been spoken over your life. See, for some of you, there's a dream that has been in your heart. But because of a diagnosis, maybe it's a sickness, maybe it's an illness, maybe it was a death in your family, maybe it was a relationship that you thought was your connection and the way the dream was going to be fulfilled, and that relationship ended. Whatever deadly diagnosis that has been spoken over your life, your dream's bigger than the deadly diagnosis. Your dream will... It's an incredible thing, actually. If you've got a dream, the devil can't kill you. Are you with me? If you've got a dream that hasn't been fulfilled yet, that dream is the prophecy over your life that God is resurrecting this morning. Saying, come on, believe again. Believe again. For some of you, though, it's, it's not just that it's not just that you've had a deadly diagnosis over your life. For some of you, there is someone special to you that has gone on to be with the Lord. And it hasn't only been four days. Maybe it's been four months, four years. And, and you struggle with that. How could it be that that person that we prayed for and that we believed for, that person still died? That person still experienced death and we didn't see the miracle on this side. We didn't see it happen. In your notes, that loved one that died believing for life is more alive right now than ever. They still won. You hear me? They still won. You were believing for someone to see that miracle. They were praying to see that miracle. We are going to continue as a church to contend for miracles, for healing. We're not backing off of that one inch. But sometimes we've experienced praying for people and they haven't made it. But I'm here to tell you they have. <laughs> They've made it in a bigger and better way than any of us. You cannot lose in this kingdom. Even death is not the end in this kingdom. Why? In your notes, because the resurrection is here and now. The resurrection for your marriage is now. The resurrection for your life after divorce is now. The resurrection of your dream in the face of a deadly diagnosis is now. Your resurrection is today. So what ends up happening in the story is Jesus does come to the point where he tells his disciples, come on, it's time to go. And uh, so they head out and the disciples think Lazarus is sick. But when they, they get to the point where he's at, they find out that he's actually dead. In verse 18, now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. 
And Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Mary's the one who would anoint his feet with her tears, and she would sit at his feet, and, and she's so broken, she doesn't even go to see Jesus. Martha is the get-her-done gal. And Martha's about to go have a few words with Jesus right now. Have you ever wanted to have a few words with Jesus? I know that old song, let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our trouble. Anybody heard that? I just in the last couple of weeks had a little talk with Jesus, but it wasn't to tell him about our trouble. It was me letting him know there was a couple things in my life I thought he could do a little better. <laughs> have you ever been there? <laughs> Jesus, I want to have a talk with you about some stuff. This is going on right now, and I love this about Jesus. I love this about him. He, he welcomes her to come to him and to speak to him and to bring her grief and to bring her pain and to bring her anger. So verse 20. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him. Mary stayed at home. Verse 21. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, I can hear her voice. Oh, my gosh. Lord, <laughs> and I use that term a little loosely right now. Lord, if you had been here my brother would not have died. I mean, can you imagine how loaded this is? She's thinking, everybody that ever came to you, you healed. Do you know how many sandwiches I have made for you? <laughs> Do you not remember being in my house when Mary was sitting at your feet and I was making you meal after meal while you just sat there and taught and ate? Healed everybody. All the people got healed. I've done all of this stuff. This is loaded with all this emotion. Now, of course, this isn't written in the Bible. This is the Brent, the BT, the Brent translation. But I can only imagine, right, that this thing is loaded. Her heart is like, where were you when I needed you, Jesus? But I love the next part. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God... God will give you. Even in her grief, even in her anger, even in her not understanding, there was something in her that knew, well, she knew, he messed up funerals all the time. Why not mess this one up, right? So Jesus makes a statement to her in verse 23. Your brother will rise again. Martha misinterprets this statement, and she thinks Jesus is going theological on her right now and consoling her at a funeral. This is like something you'd say at someone, well, praise the Lord, Brother Tom. I, I know that your dear loved one is gone to be with the Lord, but my brother, they will rise again. You know, we say all kinds of stuff to people at funerals, right? God has another angel in his choir now, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, the good Lord must have needed another rose in his vase in heaven. Whatever it is that we say. And so she's like... How many times has she already heard this? This is a common, by the way. This is a common phrase, and the, the Pharisees taught that there would be resurrection and resurrection life after someone had died, right? This was, the Sadducees were the ones who didn't believe it, and that's why they were sad, you see, right? <laughs> but the Pharisees believed in a resurrection, right? So this is nothing, like, all of a sudden she's thinking, oh, great, another funeral greeting. Oh, dear Martha, your brother will rise again. So Martha told him, I know that he will rise again in the re resurrection on the last day. I already know that teaching. 
But then Jesus makes this loaded statement right here. He drops the bomb. I love that he drops it in the, in the most inopportune moment, the craziest place, not while he's trying to teach a sermon on it. He drops this bomb right in the middle of death, right in the middle of four-day death. He drops this bomb. I am the resurrection. <laughs> You're looking for a future event, but I'm here to tell you the future is now. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Woo, that's good news, isn't it? You can write this in your notes. The resurrection is not only here and now. The resurrection is him right now. The resurrection is a person, not just an event. That's why I say in your notes, it's important to note that the resurrection is more than our past salvation experience. The resurrection is more than our past salvation experience. And it is that. And we would be remiss if we didn't talk about that this morning on Resurrection Sunday. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In fact, Colossians 3.1, Paul says it this way, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. So when you and I are locating that experience that is called being born again, Jesus talked to Nicodemus about that in John chapter 3, right? He said, you've been born once. He talked to Nick at night, right? In John chapter 3. And he says to Nick at night, You've been born once, buddy, but you need to be born again, right? And Nick doesn't get it. He doesn't understand what he's talking about because there's a spiritual something that's hidden from him, a spiritual meaning that's hidden from his eyes at this point. He says, Nick, you need to be born again. In fact, that, what he says to, to him that night, it, it, it's, it echoes out through every generation through every sermon that was well preached or not so well preached on every Resurrection Sunday. You need, or the way he says it to Nick, you must be born again. He says that. And he says it to you and he says it to me. So this idea of being born again is quite a, an interesting thought, isn't it? We were born once and I can tell you I messed up the first time around. Anybody else mess up the first shot? Right? He says there's a new birth for you that is available so there's this experience being called being born again you know what scripture tells us we just read it in Peter's writing that that born again experience is located here's where it happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus came up out of the grave that is our born again experience my friends you know what that means for us that the sinner's prayer that I will lead us in a little bit later this morning, that I firmly believe in praying, something happens when we pray that prayer of our faith connecting with what Jesus has already done. When we pray the prayer, it doesn't make Jesus do something. When we pray the prayer, it's because he did something. 
You with me? You know what the good news about that is? That my born again experience isn't locked into how well did I pray that prayer. Because I tried it a bunch of times. Every Sunday growing up. Pray it over and over and try to get it right. But you know what? Something happened for me. The, not even just the day. Over a course of years as God began to open up my understanding that my salvation experience is rooted in something such more, so much more stable than me. Oh, ho, 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 ho. My salvation, my born again experience is located and secured by Jesus coming up out of the grave when he rose, I rose. His resurrection is my resurrection. His resurrection is your resurrection. You can write that in your notes. When he rose, we rose to a new life. We rose to a new life. Humanity rose to a brand new life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new, perpetually new by him. So for each of us today, the good news believers, I mean, each of us can maybe point back to, I was six years old the first time I prayed that prayer in my, under my dad's preaching. I remember the night it happened. I can point back to that night. I don't know the date, but I remember it. Some of you could probably even tell me the date that you prayed that prayer for the first, for the first time. But that ain't your spiritual birthday. Your spiritual birthday is today. Your spiritual birthday is the day Jesus rose from the dead. We all got born on the same day. Just tell your neighbor right now, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Amen. <laughs> so the resurrection is more than a, a past experience, although it is that. Secondly, the resurrection is more than our future hope. And this is where Martha was stuck right here. She thought that all Jesus was doing was pointing toward the future hope. And there is power in that future hope, my friends. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 and 16 through 17 says, Beloved brothers and sisters, we want you to be quite certain about the truth concerning those who have passed away so that you won't be overwhelmed with grief like many others who have no hope. We grieve, Scripture says, but we grieve with hope, right? Verse 16, for the Lord himself will appear with the declaration of victory, the shout of an archangel and the trumpet blast of God, and he will descend from the heavenly realm and command those who are dead in Christ to rise first. Then we who are alive will join them, transported together in the clouds and have an encounter with the Lord in the air, and we will be forever joined with the Lord. That is future hope right there, isn't it? Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Paul says, when I'm absent from the body, I am present with the Lord. We have future hope that we are connected with him the moment we die. And we have future hope that we will be raised with him and we will have new bodies. Mine's going to have a six pack. We're going to have new bodies, right? That's a future hope that we have. That's why at funerals, yes, we grieve. And after the funeral, we grieve. But there's hope. We know there's more than just this life. If we had only this life, Paul said, we would be most pitied. But we have a future hope. In your notes, the resurrection is the end of death as the end. The resurrection is the end of death as the end. Death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? 
So yes, the resurrection is our past experience. It's our birthday. Yes, the resurrection is our future hope. Jesus is coming again, and we will all be transformed in the twinkling of an eye, as Scripture said. I believe that. But this morning in your notes, victorious, resurrected Jesus is our resurrection now. Not just an event. The only reason the event happened is because of him. Not just because of the the resurrection that happened in the past. Or even heaven in the future. As I said earlier today, the psalmist said, whom have I in heaven but you? It's not heaven without Jesus. Are you with me? But Jesus is heaven. Jesus is our resurrection right now. He is the resurrection and the life for us in this very moment right now. 1 John 4, 17, one of the most startling verses. says, all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Same verse out of the God's Word translation. While we are in this world, we are exactly like him. He's alive, we're alive. You know what Jesus is, it doesn't say as he was, so are we in this world. So read the Gospels and try to mimic what you see. The startling thing about this this passage is, it is saying that as the resurrected Jesus is right now, see him and you see you. Oh, I'm going to do, that is good news, isn't it? As he is, so are we right now. What does that mean for us? In your notes, Jesus is our forgiveness right now. Right now. It's not just someday I'll be forgiven. No, he is your forgiveness. The reason he forgives, it's because it's who he is. When Jesus was being taken to the cross and nailed to the cross, when they squeezed everything they could out of him, all the life. And that's an interesting thought, isn't it? This week we were at Harp and Bowl, our worship and prayer service, and Tana was talking about Jesus and the crown of thorns. And we were discussing what did it mean to have the crown of thorns. And, no, she was specifically talking about Gethsemane. When he sweat drops of blood. When he was at Gethsemane and he sweat drops of blood. And she was saying, what did, why did he sweat drops of blood? And we began to discuss that. And one of the guys at Harp and Bowl said to her, he said, you know that Gethsemane means the olive press. And when Jesus was pressed, how many know when you press, what's in you comes out of you? You find out what's really in you when you're under pressure. All they could squeeze out of Jesus was his blood. Are you with me? When he was under pressure, what came out was his powerful, life-giving blood. And when he was on the cross that day, as he was being squeezed in that moment, what came out of him was, Father, forgive them. When you put Jesus under the squeeze, what comes out of him is forgiveness. That's amazing, isn't it? It's because it's who he's always been. It's who he is. He's our forgiveness now. No matter what you've done, you are forgiven because of Jesus. Secondly, Jesus is our empowering grace right now. Grace isn't just an idea or a theological term. Grace is a person. Uh, grace, Jesus is grace. One definition of grace is the ability of God that causes me to be what he's called me to be and to do what he's called me to do. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. His empowering, resurrecting grace is here right now. 
You know what else in your notes? Jesus is our healing right now because it's who he is. It's who he is. Right now, whatever's going on in your physical body, in my physical body, he is our healer. He is our healing. The, the resurrection is here and now for our physical bodies. Also, he is our deliverance right now. You may be even struggling with one particular habit or two or three particular addictions. Whatever it is, it's not too big for the resurrection power of Jesus to break. He is your deliverance right now. In your notes, he is your salvation right now. Again, salvation is not just an event. Depending on how well we pray to prayer, salvation is a person who brought together God and man in himself, took the old broken man into the grave and rose up as one brand new man. And we were caught into that cosmic moment. Wow. That's what our salvation is anchored in. He is our salvation. Lastly, Jesus is our life. He is our very life. The zoe is the Greek word, life of God, right now in, our, in our, this very moment because the resurrection is here and now. Let's stand. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Would you do this? We don't normally do this this way. Um, I don't know that we normally do anything around here. <laughs> but would you, uh, would you catch hands with the person next to you real quick? Just join their hands. If you're single, you just set strategically. <laughs> Hold hands with that person next to you for just a moment. Right in this moment, in this here and now moment, said just a moment ago that Jesus is your salvation now. He is your forgiveness right now. This morning, you may have never surrendered your life to him. You may never have said yes to his yes. Yes to his yes. That's what the resurrection is. It's the yes of God to a brand new life for you. And maybe you have never surrendered your life to the resurrection and the life, Jesus himself, who is very present right now. Very present, working in your life, drawing you to himself. He's got such a great life. I didn't say easy, I said great. It's a great life for you. So this morning, with, with, as you're holding hands with that person next to you, if you need to surrender your life to Jesus today, Here's how we're going to respond. Squeeze the hand of the person next to you. If you are in a place where you need to surrender your life to him and you have not done that before, squeeze a little tight so they know and can agree with you this morning. Maybe you're here and you have surrendered your life to him, but you've, you, you've kind of been running away from the best that he has for you. I'm here to tell you, you cannot outrun him. He's a lot faster than you. You can't out-wrestle him. He's a lot stronger than you. You can try to run and squirm out of his arms, but you'll just be miserable. So today, if you want to re-surrender your life to him, squeeze the hand of that person next to you. Squeeze it real tight, real quick. If someone squeezed your hand or you squeeze theirs,
will you just pull that hand up in the air right now real high just pull that hand up as a sign to the Lord right now that the hands across the room signify the lives that are saying I surrender to you this morning Jesus maybe the first time or maybe I'm re-surrendering let's drop hands for just a moment I'm going to pray a prayer if you pray if you you raise your hand for the first time today or if you're one of those who re-surrendered your life this prayer does not get you saved this prayer connects with the fact that Jesus has already done it for you this prayer says yes to his yes today so I want to encourage you this morning everyone in the room to repeat after me Heavenly Father thank you for sending Jesus Jesus Thank you that you came for me. I believe you died as me. The old me went to the cross with you. When you rose, I rose. Because you rose, I am saved. I surrender my life to you. You are my Savior. And right now, I ask you to be my Lord. I surrender my life to you. I don't want to run from you. Thank you that when I run from you, you always catch me. But I don't want to run. Scratch that. <laughs> I do want to run with you wherever you're taking me whatever you have for me the best that you have for me I surrender my life to you in Jesus name Amen come on shout to him this morning